Let's pray together as we are seated. God, how is that not the cry of each and every one of our hearts? And just to be recklessly loved by you. Jesus, we pray this morning that you would open our minds to the truth that yes, you, you can wipe our slate clean. Spirit, speak to our deep longings for a brand new, fresh start with you. I pray that you would move powerfully and be glorified and honored today, all in Christ's name. And all of God's people agreed and said, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome again to Troy United Methodist Church. So glad that each one of you is here today as we launch into a brand new uh, message series uh, where we are going to be spending several days and nights with Jesus. And a special welcome to uh, those of you joining us for dinner church today. Uh, so, so hope that you will join us the next couple of months as we journey with Jesus and come alongside him in some very important, uh, meaningful moments in his ministry. And uh, for those of you uh, here uh, present, uh, you're not uh, sure what dinner church is. Uh, dinner church is something we do at the St. Jacob Activity Center every, uh, every week in October and November at 6 p.m. Uh, they're actually not meeting tonight, so don't go over there for a free dinner. Uh, it, but it starts next week, and they're going to be seeing this sermon uh, next week. So uh, you're a week late, but it's, I hope it's a good one. Uh, you can judge in about 30 minutes or so. But uh, uh, those of you who might be interested in dinner church, there's a, an invite in your bulletin that you received on the way in. Um, even if you yourself aren't interested, you might know somebody who you could uh, hand that to and invite to be a part of that. Uh, but I hope you join us. Uh, our, our goal uh, throughout this entire series, which will take us through the end of November, uh, wow, that feels really close, um, is our, our goal is to, to paint a crystal clear picture of who Jesus really is. Uh, I, I believe deep in my heart that if we see Jesus for who he really is, uh, then we will want him. Um, and, and today we're talking about uh, a particular night when Jesus trashed a party. Uh, that's right. Uh, Jesus, the party trasher. Uh, the same way the Cardinals trashed my Cubs postseason hopes for a party. Uh, it's been a rough week. I'm not going to lie. I feel a, a little, uh, just a tad out of place as a Cub fan in Cardinal country this week, especially. It's, it's been difficult. Uh, I, of course, I'm just joking on some levels. It's just a sports rivalry. But have you ever had a real time when, when you have felt out of place? Like you didn't belong like you didn't fit in. It's not a good feeling, is it? Uh, you, you can think of a time, I'm sure. Well, this morning we're taking uh, a look at a time when Jesus didn't fit in. Uh, Jesus is going to the house of a guy named Simon, uh, who is a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were a religious group that that uh, were, were very strict in their following uh, the rules of God's law. They kept, uh, they kept it, it, it really close uh, to, to the center line. They, they were a sect of Judaism that was uh, very legalistic in many ways about uh, pursuing God's law and, and, and how they looked on the outside. Well, well Simon the Pharisee, 
invited Jesus to his house for a dinner party. And the other uh, religious elite folk were going to be there, some local dignitaries and such. And then there's Jesus. And he gets the invite because he's a, kind of a new rabbi, a new teacher on the scene, and he's gained quite a following. And so they invited him. Seems pretty innocent on the surface, but I think before we're through this morning, we're going to see that there's a lot more going on here. And you add to the fact that someone who was uninvited shows up to this party, and you've got a quite a memorable night. Uh, th this event in Jesus' life can be found in the seventh chapter of the book of Luke in the New Testament of the Bible. Uh, you're encouraged to follow along uh, in your Bible if you have it with you. If not, uh, scriptures will appear on the screen. Uh, but I really want to encourage you to take some notes. In, in the notes section, uh, there are some reflective questions there for you to think about later on. Uh, but, but we're talking about who Jesus really is and his character and his heart and his mission. So you'll want to reflect uh, on this later, especially if you're in a journey group digging into this story further this week. But uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, verse 36 of chapter 7 of the book of Luke. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and reclined to eat. Now, uh, just stopping uh, right there, you know every culture kind of has its own uh, rules for proper etiquette and behavior. This is what makes traveling overseas so difficult sometimes because you don't know what those rules are and you can really uh, stick your, your foot in your mouth or, or do something improper. And so it's important to learn these rules. So I, I just want to kind of give you a, a little bit of a quiz right now to make sure we're on the same page. So let's suppose for a minute that there are some rules of etiquette for worship here at Troy United Methodist Church. I know this is kind of surprising because I'm not a rules guy. Um, uh, very much. And so uh, yet I want to give you this little quiz. I'm going straight for the throat here. You need to know that. I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just going for it. So let's say you brought your cell phone to church. Okay. How many of you brought your cell phone to church today? Like for many of you, that's your Bible. So uh, that's, that's okay. All right. But let's say your cell phone starts ringing loudly. Like a really important part of the sermon. That's some of you that's happened to before. I know it's, it's uh, happened to me when somebody else's cell phone goes off during an important part of the sermon. But let's say you've got some choices here. So I want you to think through your different options of what to do if that happens to you. Uh, here, here's your first choice. You, you can uh, maybe just turn to the person next to you and just stare at them as if you're really irritated that it's their cell phone uh, going off. That's, that's a good one. You could try that. Uh, uh, not if it's your spouse that you're looking at. That won't work. Uh, how, how about this? You could just begin yelling louder than the ring uh, on your phone. Just things like, great job, pastor. That is an amazing insight. You, you're, that, is, that is wisdom right there on display. Amen. Amen, pastor. If I, I could go for that. You know, that, that would be okay. I wouldn't even notice your phone going off. I, I'm, I'm with that one. Uh, or how about this? So you could just pretend that you're deaf and just stare straight forward. Uh, and just like, it's not, it's not bothering you. It shouldn't bother anybody else, right? Or, or, or how about this? This is probably my favorite option. Uh, you could just uh, stand up and answer your phone immediately, really loudly, and just say something like, 
it's a boy, and just take, take run it off out, out the back. Uh, grab your purse when you're at it, too, as if you've been waiting for that call all week long. Uh, I think that could get you out of it. Uh, uh, but, uh, of course, the answer is, you know, just put your phone on silent uh, when, when you come in uh, to worship. But uh, that's, that's, that's etiquette. Well, in chapter Luke chapter 7, we're looking at a picture of etiquette. We don't know it um, unless we're familiar with that culture, and so... Uh, that's what I'm here to tell you, though, is that there were some ways of doing things when someone came to your house, particularly for a dinner party in first century uh, Jerusalem, Jewish culture. Everybody would have understood. And as a matter of courtesy, Simon the host would have done these, at least, these three things for each of his guests coming to his home. He would have greeted them with a kiss. Uh, now, if this were someone of of equal social rank, then Simon would have kissed that person on the cheek. If this were a person uh, more below him in social rank, then he would have kissed him on the hand. To not kiss someone as a greeting was kind of like ignoring uh, someone when they stick their hand out to shake your hand. It's kind of like a slap in the face uh, right off the bat. Now, Jesus, when he came to Simon's house, received no kiss. Also, it was customary for a host to wash his guest's feet when, when they came into his home. Their feet would be dusty and, and, and dirty, uh, and either the host would uh, have a servant who would wash their feet, or the host would do that himself when they came into the house. At the, at the very least, a bowl of water and a towel would have been offered to the guests so they could wash their own feet. But when Jesus arrived, no one washed his feet. No one even gave him a bowl of water and a towel to wash his own feet. Finally, a host would typically um, anoint, especially for a, a, a kind of a fancy dinner party arrangement, uh, would anoint his guest's head with cooling oil uh, just, just to help them relax. Um, it, it was kind of a way of saying, come on in, relax, make yourself at home. I'm glad you're here. Jesus didn't receive any oil. Now, if Simon is being so rude, to Jesus. Why invite him in the first place? That's a really good question. C consider this. Consider J Jesus was brand new on the scene, uh, but he had done some amazing things. He, he had driven out evil spirits. He had healed people. He, he, rumor had gone around that he had forgiven some people's sins. Uh, late, latest thing that uh, may have been going around is that he had raised somebody from the dead. And the people were following him. They were flocking to him. Jesus was becoming a really big deal. He was like a rock star. He was the draw to Simon's party. Now, now picture this, Simon's home. If it was like a typical home of that era, um, uh, in fact, if, if you've been to the Science Center, they have this Pompeii exhibit going on right now, uh, not to uh, pad their coffers or anything, but it's really helpful to, of, to, to learn uh, kind of the, the ways, some of the culture of that first century uh, that Jesus lived in, Roman culture. And if Simon the Pharisee's house was anything like, uh, like others at that time period, uh, he would have had an inner courtyard uh, with kind of a low table with pillows around it, uh, uh, kind of almost like a futon set up where people could recline on pillows and, and, and eat at the table and then kind of lay their feet out to the side or the back of 
the table, kind of lounging while they eat. And that's kind of in the inner courtyard where the dinner party guests were invited. And then if the house was typical, it would also have an outer courtyard that was open to the inner courtyard. Uh, an outer courtyard where people who weren't invited to the party could gather and and watch what was going on. Let's face it, they lacked for entertainment in that time period. So, so this was this was like you know turning on Netflix. Let's go and see this party with all the religious people coming. And I heard Jesus is going to be there. Uh, th- th- this th- with a celebrity like Jesus there, there could have been dozens, if not a hundred or more people gathered to watch and observe. They 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 were invited. They weren't invited to participate, but but they could watch. Now, the Pharisees, they didn't care for Jesus too much because his, his way of doing things, it was starting to threaten their following. It was threatening their power. His teachings were challenging their concepts and their rigid ways of doing things. Where they preached legalism, Jesus preached grace. Where they offered rules, Jesus offered intimacy in a relationship. Where they offered religion, Jesus offered freedom from all the things Uh, all of these things, and instead taught about a God who loved people. Jesus spoke truth about the heart of God, and it really got under the Pharisees' skin. And and everybody knew it. They knew that this party was going to be tense. What's going to happen? They knew Jesus. They knew it. Jesus knew it. Uh, So these unwelcoming gestures in Jesus' direction, they were anticipated. This wasn't much of a surprise. These weren't mere oversights. Simon was very intentional about disrespecting Jesus. But the real question is, how is Jesus going to respond? What was he going to do? For the people gathered there, it was like first century Jerry Springer. Uh, What's going to happen? Now, Simon probably hoped that something would would go down. You see, he, he, he and the other Pharisees, they didn't know how to handle Jesus. It was obvious that God's power was at work through him, but it threatened them. So they they were hoping to trap him. They were hoping to expose him. They planned to humiliate him and 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 hoped that Jesus would make a fuss about it. Hey, you don't know. Do you know who I am? Haven't you seen what I've been doing? How dare you mistreat me like this? And, and so they hoped that Jesus would get defensive and angry about this mistreatment and, and therefore seem petty and small and, and self-centered, which would make him lose respect and lose some of his following. They hoped to make him look bad. That was Simon's plan, and things were going well. They had given Jesus the proverbial cold shoulder. How is he gonna, going to respond? But then... Then something very unexpected happened. Uh, Verses 37 and 38. A certain immoral woman from that city heard that Jesus was eating there. And she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Friends, this woman was not invited to the party. She was not on the list at all. Luke picked his word to describe her very carefully. Uh, This word is uh, oftentimes in the rest of the scriptures translated as prostitute. 
Uh, and and this, this was the town prostitute. Everybody knew it. She did not blend in. Now, the context suggests that maybe she had heard about Jesus, that she knew about Jesus and maybe heard some of his teachings before, that she was familiar with who he was or at least somewhat familiar with the kinds of things that were happening around him. Maybe she listened in and had heard uh, what he had to say from a distance. I mean, a woman like her wouldn't be able to kind of just mingle in a crowd um, and people would know her. Um, Maybe something that he had said had grabbed her heart at one time in the past and just wouldn't let go. Uh, maybe, maybe Jesus said something that caused her to rethink her life. Maybe reflect back on some of the more innocent days when, when she was, uh, you know, just seen by her mother uh, as the object of her mom's hopes and dreams. Or maybe think back to a time before her husband abandoned her or before she got pregnant without a husband. In those days, that would have been just as bad or worse as leprosy. And the truth is, we, we don't know what her life was like that led her to being what she was. Maybe her family was broken. Maybe prostitution was the only way that she could survive. Uh, we don't know, but at this moment, it really did, didn't matter. Jesus' words penetrated her heart, and maybe she thought, wow, Jesus, maybe, maybe it's not too late for me. Could it be that God really does love me like a daughter? Maybe it's not too late for me. So she learned Jesus was going to be at this party, and I can imagine that she came to watch. And, and, and just think about the courage that it must have taken for her even to show up. I mean, people recognizing who she was, wondering what she is doing there. Maybe some of the men starting to panic because she knew the truth about them. You know, and there she was trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. And then she witnessed it. She witnessed how Simon didn't greet Jesus with a kiss. What is going on? Wait wait a minute. They, They didn't provide water or a servant to wash Jesus' feet. Well, and he's not saying anything about, no, no oil for Jesus' head. What, what is going on? How is he letting them mistreat him so much? And, and then all at once her love, her devotion, her, her anger welled up to the surface at, at the sight of this injustice. Well, what, what could she do? I mean, suddenly her, her impulse, though, it took over. And she, I can see her pushing through the crowd and crashing the party where she stood by the one who no one else would stand by. I'm not going to let them mistreat him like this. I know men, and he's different. He's different than other men. I'm going to stand by him even when nobody else will. How is it that this woman, this immoral woman, was so courageous? Maybe it wasn't courage at all. Maybe, maybe it was love. I mean, have you ever had a moment, maybe in a worship service, maybe, maybe at a particular event in your life where, where you just could not hold back your love for God? A moment when 
all your emotion just bubbled up inside of you and you had to stand. You had to sing. Gosh, you had to raise your hands. You had to worship. You had to pray. Well, this was one of those moments for her. And she did it. She crashed the party. But now, but now what? I mean, she acted on an impulse. She didn't have a plan. She just did it. And now everybody was staring at her. All of these important people at the party, the whole town just watching with their jaws on the floor. What is going to happen next? And she turns and she looks at Jesus. And I can imagine him turning and, and looking at who it was at his feet. And he sees her. And he sees her. And he loves her. He loves her. Not, not as an object like she's used to, but as a daughter of God. And it penetrates her heart and the tears come. Oh, they, they come. I mean, some of us know those tears when, when we've been in the presence of God and we recognize how broken we are and how unworthy we are and how much we don't deserve God's love for us and yet the love comes our way and we experience it and the amazing power of God's grace and forgiveness and the tears, they just come. We don't invite them, they just come. We're blown away by God's love. I, want, I just want you to think, when was the last time those tears just came for you? They just poured out and you were blown away by God's love. Well, as her tears fell on Jesus' feet, you know, they left streaks in the dirt that Simon refused to wash away and she's embarrassed, so she lets down her hair, which, whoo, uh, etiquette. That's, that's just an invitation to being promiscuous and the crowd would have gasped. But she lets down her hair and she wipes the tears and dirt off of his feet. And then she kisses his feet over and over and over again. She kisses his feet before taking off this jar of perfume that she wore around her neck. And besides her body, as a prostitute, this was her main tool. Now, this was not a culture where you got a bath very often. And so people smelled. But when she would put perfume on, it would mask that and it would make her desirable to others. This was her main, this was the, the tool of her trade. But she takes that perfume off and she pours it on Jesus' feet and how the aroma would have filled the room. I mean, one dab would have been enough, but she poured out the whole thing, anointing him. The one who loved her unconditionally. And when was the last time you just poured it all out to Jesus? Because of his love for you. Well, in the midst of this commotion, Simon began, I can just, he began to smile. This was going better than he had planned. He, he thought he had Jesus trapped for sure now. I mean, look at what verse 39 says. So when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman was touching him. She is a sinner. Simon pronounced judgment. In his heart, he was thinking, I am in good shape here. She's a sinner. He is certainly not a prophet. Simon was acting like the judge and the jury here. Hey, I know you've had times in your life where you have felt judged. 
marginalized, pushed to the side, labeled, maybe, maybe even by a church or, or church people. It hurts. Well, let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus wouldn't stand for that. He wouldn't stand for it. And he knows exactly what Simon is thinking. And his response, Jesus' response, would determine how the rest of this party would go, how it would end. And Jesus, he could have just walked away. I mean, I, gosh, awkward moments like that. That's all I ever want to do is just, let's get out of here. Uh, Jesus could have done that, but it, he doesn't. Instead, he made those events an unforgettable teaching moment for Simon, for, for all the guests who were at the party, for all the observers, for, for the woman herself, and for all of us who struggle to believe that a love like this really exists. Verse 40, Jesus speaks up. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And you can just feel the tension uh, when Simon says, go ahead, teacher. Jesus says, let me, let me tell you a story. Two men, big time debt. One owes 50,000, one owes 5,000. Neither can afford to pay person who loaned the money shows them both mercy, cancels each of their debts. Which one who had their debts canceled loves the canceler the most? Jesus asked. And Simon answered, well, the one who had the larger debt. That's right. You answered well, Jesus said. And then it happens. It's very subtle, but but see what happens next. Uh, let me try to, try to paint the, the picture here for you. Up until that point, Jesus had been addressing Simon and looking at Simon. After this point, Jesus, what he does is he turns his back on Simon and looks at the woman at his feet. But he continues to talk to Simon. Verse 44 says it. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said, to Simon. And Jesus turned toward the woman and put his back toward Simon. He turned his back on the heart that was filled with self-righteousness and he turned toward the heart that was filled with humility. From the hard-hearted religious person to the soft and willing, willing-hearted sinner. James chapter 4 says it well. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Jesus locks eyes on this woman who boldly loved him, and now he's going to boldly love her in return. Jesus looks at her but says to Simon, says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Like, what do you think that felt like for her? 
the town prostitute. To hear Jesus say that her sins were forgiven. I mean, what do you, what do you think it felt like for her to be forgiven of everything that she had done? And that, that's why she loved Jesus so much. And that's what happens. And anyone who opens their heart and comes humbly before God gets their heart healed and their sins forgiven, their slate wiped clean. You can be set free. You can be given another chance. Jesus' last words to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Go live your life. You can start over, daughter. And as that beautiful line is spoken, it says in the final verse of that section, it says the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? In the presence of that amazing grace, their response is, who does he think he is? Well, this story gives us a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. The perfect and loving son of God who did not defend himself, but takes up the cause of the unloved, of the broken, the sinful and the humble. It shows us that Jesus is eager, eager to welcome everyone and give unconditional love to those who will come to him in humility and a willing heart. And, and in the end, it, I mean, how is it that not one, how, how is it that that's not one of the amazing challenges to us from this story? Because Jesus then is the same as Jesus today. We can be clean. We can have Jesus look at us in the eye and say, you're forgiven. Go and live in peace. We can go through like life like that or we can go through life like Simon and the, the self-righteous way of thinking in our heart that, that there isn't much that we need to be forgiven for. And that Jesus' death on the cross is more for other notorious sinners than it is for us. She was hungry for love and forgiveness. Simon was content in his smug self-righteousness. You know, Jesus does not care what kind of sinner you are. He, he doesn't care that much. He cares whether you are humble and have a willing heart like this woman does. Now, friends, this isn't just a story of Jesus trashing a very interesting dinner party. This is a story of Jesus trashing our self-will and our self-righteousness reminding us that we all need his forgiveness. That we all have a debt that we cannot pay and, and that he can cancel it. Jesus can cancel it. He can forgive it. So the question is, what, what do you think Jesus sees in your heart this morning? Does he see someone who thinks everybody else is the one with the problem? Or does he see someone humble and willing to acknowledge their brokenness? You know, when Jesus looks at you, he sees someone that he died for. He sees the beauty of your soul and what you could be without the anchor of sin hefted upon your shoulders. He longs for you to come to him humbly and open your heart to him so that you can hear him say, son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Go and live in peace. You can be a brand new person. 
Jesus invites us. This woman came humbly. How will you come? You know, throughout this series, as we encounter who Jesus really is, um, we'll have some opportunities each week to just uh, come before Jesus, the real Jesus, uh, with all of who we are and receive prayer for whatever it is that might be going on in our lives. And, and we're going to start this week. In a moment, we're uh, going to sing. In fact, that the band uh, will, will come forward now, and you're just going to be invited during this closing song to, to come and pray for whatever is on your heart. And we, we always have the prayer stations over here, which you can come and pray at, at, at any time. Uh, but this week, we're going to have uh, just a, a few of our pastoral staff up here just to uh, be willing to pray with you. So if you have anything on your heart, I mean, maybe you need to encounter Jesus' forgiveness. Maybe you just need Jesus to see you, to see the pain that you're in and offer you hope and healing. Maybe you need to confess some self-righteousness. I don't know, whatever it is, uh, you uh, can come. Uh, so uh, those who are uh, some of our staff up, uh, Bonnie Abel is a uh, ministry intern here. She'll be up. Uh, David Roderick, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be up here too. Uh, during this song, I just invite you to come.